Welcome to this episode of the RLM Podcast. I'm your host, Eli, and uh, joining me is my co-host, Jalea. Hey, guys. <laughs> um, and today we have a guest um, starring along with us. Um, he is the head principal for the Hemfield High School, Dr. Brossman, and uh, I have invited him into the studio today so uh, we can kind of go over to some of his um, career challenges, his responsibilities as a principal, um, and yeah, just we're going to be talking about that sort of stuff. So, Dr. Brossman, feel free to introduce yourself. Sure. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Bill Brossman. I've been uh, working here at Hempfield High School for the past 20 years. Uh, this is my second full year as the head principal. And prior to that, I was a grade level principal working with grade 11. Nice. So, um, obviously, I said we kind of want to go over not too many people, I would say, know a whole lot about about uh, you as outside of a school, um, outside of a school basis. So just kind of lead us through how you got to this position, how you got to this position of being the head principal of the high school. Okay, yeah, that was a, it's been a long journey. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I went to high school in the county. I went to Ephrata High School. And um, while at Ephrata, I played football. And I was a pretty good academic student in high school, knew I wanted to go to college, and um, and I was always drawn to science. Science was kind of my thing, and I had an amazing chemistry teacher in high school, and he influenced a lot of folks, and so I kind of focused more on chemistry, and I had this football thing, and when I was in school, one of the things that I enjoyed or was giving presentations and teaching people things and so it all kind of came together for me that if I went to college I could play football I could earn a teaching degree Mm -hmm. and then the idea was I could get a job as a teacher and coach football and get to do the things that I was doing in high school for you know like the rest of my life (laughs) um so I that that was the plan and I picked chemistry because it was a science and it also for those of you taking chemistry, it's, you know, not the easiest science. Right. And so I like helping people. I'm not saying chemistry wasn't, didn't always come the easiest to me. I had to work at it a little bit too. Um, but I knew if I got a chemistry teaching certificate that there'd be a lot of jobs available. Right. There aren't a lot of, you know, chemist like especially today, but even back then, you know, it wasn't like hundreds of people applying for the same job. There was you know, a dozen or a handful right. of people applying. So I, I felt like it fit for me. And so that's what led me down the path of chemistry. And then right out of, so I went to college at Towson University in Maryland, uh, played football for years, had a good time. Um, you know, we, were, we weren't winning championships, <laughs> but we had winning records and, and it was a great, great college experience. Um, but coming out of that, I was able to be, you know, in that fortunate boat where it's my senior year of college and doing interviews that that spring and I was able to secure a teaching position before I graduated, right. which was great. So I graduated from Towson knowing I'd be coming to Hempfield. Um, even though I went to high school in the county and had been to Hempfield for like soccer games and basketball games and different things, I didn't know a ton about mm-hmm. it. Um, but I came here and one of the first people I met when, as a someone being interviewed and right. asking about the one of the first people I met was Mrs. Thompson, 
Oh, nice. Yeah, oh, the chemistry teacher. teacher. And I walked in her classroom, and even back then, 20 years ago, I went in her classroom, and the science supervisor walked me around. He's like, what do you think? And I'm like, she talks so fast. And <laughs> anyone... Anyone who's had Mrs. Thompson knows that, yes, she she talks fast and she had all this energy and it was really cool. So, um, yeah, so I got to start teaching chemistry here in the fall of 2004, uh, 2005 was the, the spring, so 04, 05. And I did that here for, for 10 years. Oh, wow. Um, and I taught, I, I started on a cart. Uh, so I was a floating teacher because we used to, when I started here at Hempfield, the high school had 2,400 kids, which is a little bit more than what we have now. And we also had, um, we didn't have senior option. We didn't have school to work. Doing, like, like everyone was here all day, every day, wow. and we weren't on block schedule. We yeah, were, you had all the all the oh, all right. periods. It was actually a nine-period day. Nine <laughs> classes wow. in one nine, day. Yep. Wow. So students would have eight classes because actually – Students, one class was a lunch, and like every day, I think someone had a study hall. So I think students had seven. Teachers taught s- taught six, a lunch, a prep, and a duty, which was study hall. So yeah, um, so that's how it was w- when I started here. And I'm not gonna lie, it it was a rat race, <laughs> not just for for teachers, but for kids too. Right. And so that's a big part of what led us from going from that schedule to the block because people just said it's too much. It was too much for kids. It was too much for teachers all in one day. Now, you had the class for the whole year right? versus what we have now, half the year. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's what it – that was uh, one way it started. And uh, my first year teaching chemistry, I had um, – Frau Richter was, was a student in my <laughs> classes. Wow. Um, and, and a couple others that I've had over the years that are employees in the district now. But, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I did that for 10 years and I had a chance, uh, to, uh, Dr. Reinhardt who just retired, gosh, that's going to be two years ago now. He used to be our 12th grade principal. He took a sabbatical to work on his doctorate. And so they did a long-term substitute offering for a principal. And at the time I had completed my principal certificate. And so I did, I applied for and got the long-term sub role to fill in for Dr. Reinhardt and uh, had a great semester doing that. Wasn't sure if I was ready to leave the classroom. And so when that semester ended, and that was the spring of 2013, when that semester ended, I went back to teaching in mm-hmm. the fall. Um, and with regards to my teaching, I when I taught, I was in what's now Mr. Nachisti's room, 232. Oh, nice. was my room. Um and so I had one last semester, and then uh, Dr. Axe, uh, who used to be here, he was the ninth grade principal, he left for Warwick, and he's now the superintendent at Mannheim Central School District. Mm. Um, but that's who I replaced, and I, at that time, took over as the 11th grade principal. And then I stayed in that role until two years ago when there was some more right. movement, and, uh, mm. and then I was able to step into the... The high school role. I feel like I've been rambling for a while. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're, you're good. good. <laughs> are there are there more questions? Like, do you yeah, have yeah. questions as so, we go? Or uh, obviously, I mean, obviously, you led us through. Were there any? Was there any time that you were severely like unsure of where you might eventually end up? Like, you knew you what you wanted to be, 
but there were things that happened, challenges that you faced that you weren't exactly sure where you might actually end up. Absolutely. Um, so life's a journey. Right. And, you know, one piece of advice I would give anybody is try to keep as many doors and options open to you as long as possible. So I got my teaching cert. I started teaching chemistry. And then when I wanted to get my master's degree, I was like, well, I could see myself being a principal. So I got my master's in um, in, a, in educational leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got my principal cert. I did the internships. I put it, did, did all the service hours, all the things you need to get that. But at the same time, as I, the very beginning of this thing, when I started talking, like, I thought I wanted to be a teacher and I wanted to be a coach. And I coached football here at Hempfield um, with uh, Coach Zieber, who was the coach before Coach Eger. Um, and then there were some other coaches too. But so I was coaching football here. And so this idea of I, I didn't know where things were going to lead me, but mm-hmm. I always wanted to give myself options. So I right. could have stayed and kept coaching. Um, I was really into with the coaching. I was doing a lot of the um, strength training stuff mm-hmm. and uh, the, the team building stuff to in the weight room in the off season to try to make sure we were in the best position possible. And I really liked that. I enjoyed that. I was a big weight room guy as a football player. Um, so I enjoyed that. But sometimes you get called to other things and mm-hmm. there are other opportunities. And so because I had my principal cert, I was able to explore it. Now, because I got to do that long-term sub, that's that's what really made it like, okay, this is something right. that, that I enjoy. So it was really nice in that I didn't have to make that huge leap of faith of like, okay, I'm just going to quit teaching and try right. something completely new. I was able to, you know. Try it before you buy it, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I've had the experience before you're fully yeah. put into that role. Now, I don't know. I know as myself, as a kid, there were, you know, I thought of every possible thing I could become. And I would say every time I was like, oh, this is exactly what I'm going to be a week later, it's changed. Was there anything? Um, obviously, you had told me that you had wanted to be an astronaut as a kid. Was there anything else that you were kind of like looking at that you were like, I could really. Like you may, maybe you even had the opportunity to do that and you turned it down in hopes that you would, you know, land in this position. Sure. Um, so you're, you're right. As I shared with you earlier today, I thought about being an astronaut as a kid. <laughs> and uh, it was actually space camp that made me realize I couldn't be an astronaut because, uh, you, uh, at least at the time, I, it's probably still the same, but the spacesuits, you can only be up to six feet tall. <laughs> Um, and I wasn't over six feet in, in seventh grade, but I was well on my way to getting there. And so I thought, oh, I might be a little too big (laughs) to be an astronaut. Um, and so (laughs) space camp was awesome. Maybe a little crushed my dream. Um, but no, uh, sorry, where were we going with that? You, you asked, um, like what, what other careers did you look at that? Right. So when it came time to, to pick a, a college, I was looking at bunch of different schools and I kind of wanted to play at the biggest place where I could still play so I was able to land at a one double a school and I was looking at Lehigh Lafayette Bucknell Towson Delaware Millersville Millersville's D2 and all the the PSAC schools which are D2 Um, and so there was a in addition my love for science also made me considering engineering um chemical engineering, that right. type of thing. So I was really looking at Bucknell um, 
to, to go to Bucknell, play football, maybe do chemical engineering as well. Oh, no. uh, but as fate would have it, that didn't really work out for football. And so in going to Towson, Towson had a fine uh, science program. They weren't quite known for engineering like a Bucknell or a Lehigh or Lafayette. Right. They're, they're known, like Towson is kind of like the Millersville of Maryland. Like it was established as a state teaching college and then grew into a university from there. So I guess, you know, my plan changed based on where I ended up going, which maybe that's right. not the best way to pick a college is you know, <laughs> through your sport. Yeah. Um, but I was at teaching in the back of my head, not in the back of my, it was in the front of my head. Um, but that was one thing that kind of shaped my direction a little bit. If I had gone to Buck now, I doubt I would have majored in education. Mm. I probably would have pursued the engineering because that was kind of something they were really known for. Right. Um, Towson, I could have pursued engineering, but by that time I had kind of made up my mind that, I mean, till you commit and then till you actually get there, it was a big chunk of time. And a lot of people start their college experience as an undecided major, mm. but I tried to be as decided as I could, to be as planful as I could. Um, and that's, that's what led me to settle on education. It just, everything kind of came together. Right. With, right. I want to teach. I want to coach. I'm going to a school that specializes, is, is known for teaching. It just seemed like everything aligned. And I know yeah. that doesn't happen for everyone. Some people, you know, drift. Right. A Some bit. people go their whole life expecting to become one thing, and then they right. end up in an entirely different uh, position. I think is kind of fun and unique. Mm -hmm. um, now, were there, obviously you said you wouldn't be an astronaut as a kid. Was football ever, was that like a, just something that you wanted to do? Was that something you wanted to turn into a potentially a career? Or what was the, or was it just like a sport that you enjoyed to do? Um, so it was a sport I was pretty good at. Um, but I, I was pretty, I was self-aware enough that so I played lineman in high school, um, and and then I played line in college as well. But at six one, six two, two hundred fifty pounds, you know, I was realistic in that that wasn't big enough for the NFL mm. um, or that type of thing. And I mean, you you see those guys and right. and well, as the speaker said, they're like they're like six eight, six nine. 300 something yeah so that just wasn't in the genetic cards for me right um and even going from playing in the Lancaster Ledman League where I felt like I was one of the bigger guys out there on the football field especially back then um to going to a school like Towson I was like the smallest lineman really yeah and it was <laughs> it was an eye-opening experience when it's like hey we're gonna uh let's let's go to you know the store and you're gonna get in a car and I'm like okay they say, okay, you sit in the middle because you're the smallest. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm the smallest. Yeah, Six okay. foot two, you're the yeah, smallest. Okay, well, I guess I'll <laughs> go in the middle. Yeah, so, you know, but that's uh, that's one of the great things about getting out of the area you grow up right, in and right. getting out of your comfort zone. You experience is, a whole new yeah. group of people. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> whole new dynamic. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, I don't, everyone, I've always played around in my head with the idea of playing football, but it never, every time I looked at it, I was just like, it is something that I would rather, I think I would enjoy more if I just watched it and never had to play it. It's just, it does not seem like a fun sport for me. I just, I don't know, I'm more of a soccer guy for myself. I mean, it's certainly a lot of work and a lot of physicality. And someone said something to me long after I was done 
playing football, but they talked about how much you put in versus how much you actually get to play. Right. And uh, the and and they were right. There wasn't. There's not. <laughs> it's not a one to one ratio. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's it's very inefficient in the amount of work that you put in versus the games that you actually get to play. But it's the for me, it was the quality of that experience and getting to do something that you don't get to do really anywhere else. And when I say that, I mean like you know hitting people and knocking them down right. like that all being allowed <laughs> and sanctioned like it's not something yeah you're really supposed to do other places so right. so that that's what made it worth it to me right yeah that's i don't know i never the only i've never really been like i could say i'm an athlete but i don't really do sports i do track and cross country but i never really would call myself an athlete just cuz i never i never took put myself into that lifestyle of constant practice and all that stuff it just no wasn't for me i guess yeah well i mean track and they're certainly athletes right and right 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 it's just a different type of yeah. competition yeah i could <laughs> i could never be running on track in the middle of winter that is that is just kind of crazy <laughs> i could not do that oh i'd get i'd freeze so quickly so so i can certainly say that football has shaped my life also in that um and this is nothing about other sports, but football in, has, in my opinion, always kind of been the ultimate team sport mm-hmm. in that, you know, you set up a play, everyone has to be ready, the ball is hiked, and then everyone has to do their job right. to have success. Right. And, like, you really all have to come together. And it's also very unique in that you've got big guys, you've got little mm-hmm. guys, you've got tall guys, you've got short guys. Like, like it's it's a very diverse group of right, people coming right. together to accomplish a goal and everyone has to play their part for, for the thing to move right. to, to move the ball forward um, and and putting the team before yourself it, it there's just a lot of analogies in there for leadership right. that have bled over into what I do now um, in terms of building teams trying to get a team to have a goal and getting everyone to do their part right. in reaching right. that goal. Yeah, so it's worked out really well for me. And, and I see now, you know, having the benefit of being able to look back how right. how that helped shape me for what I would eventually go on to do. Right. And maybe I'm just more of a soccer person because I don't like the idea of having a 250-pound person flying at me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather just stay in the comfort of uh, just having the ball down in the feet. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, I kind of want to talk about what do you, obviously, as a, um, obviously, you're a teacher, then you're a principal. What was kind of the major jump of responsibility that you faced? Because, I mean, I would say, I mean, I would think that being a principal, being a teacher are similar in the fact that you do have a, you know, you're in charge of a group of individuals and you're doing your best to teach them certain values or skills or whatever. So what was kind of like the major difference in that, in that jump? Sure. So most people that go into education go in because they want to help others and they want to impact others and, and, you know, help them be better in their lives. Right. right? And if you talk to many administrators, um, you know, when you change from part of the reason to want to go from being in the classroom to being an administrator is as a classroom teacher, especially a chemistry teacher, you know, I might have, what, 70 kids a semester, mm-hmm. 140 kids a year. So it really comes down to how, how, what size of impact can you have? Right. So as a classroom teacher, 
you can have a great impact on the kids sure. that are in front of you, that's that's what you're working with. Right. Um, and that's awesome for those kids. Mm-hmm. When you step into the administrative role, so our grade level principals, you know, they're working with 550 kids. Now, when right. I say working with, you all know, we all know that they're not. Right, right. <laughs> it's not kids. constant. Yeah. But, but the decisions that they're making, the the procedures they're putting in place, the things that they're doing to, to set up those 550 kids that they're responsible for, right. for success. So it's not, and it's a different kind of impact. And so that's a struggle when you go from being a classroom teacher to being an administrator. Like right. The classroom teacher, it's a much more, it's a much closer relationship. You really know, you, like, you know your kids by name. You right, know, right, right. You know their interests. You know, I don't get, myself as administrators, I don't get to have that close relationship with the kids, but I get to see the benefits on a larger right, scale. Right, right. So that's, that's a big jump. And then the the responsibility as well. Um, so being responsible for so many more people and making decisions and working with them to to, to guide things so that everyone gets the results that we're right. trying to get within within our system. Right, because I would say even as a, I would say as a teacher, you almost have more, you can more closely, I want, uh, control might not be the right word, but you can more closely influence what the kids are directly doing. And as a principal, the most you can do is tell the teachers, hey, this is what we need them to be doing, but, you know, it doesn't always get right back down to the sure. students. It's it's breadth versus depth. Right, right. So teachers can go deeper, but administrators kind of it's a little wider. Right, right. What what would you say was the most uh, challenging thing you ever faced as just as a teacher? Just, I mean, obviously chemistry is a harder. I would say it's a harder course to teach because it's a lot more knowledge and a lot more. You know, you have to. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm not. Hardest thing as a teacher. Just give me a second. <laughs> yeah, this isn't unique to chemistry. Many, uh, you know, trying to help students understand, you know, everyone wants to know, how's this going to help me? Like, right. why, why do I need to know this? Why do I need to learn this chemistry? Trying to help students understand that learning chemistry isn't so much about learning the chemistry. It's about the thought process. It's about the way, a a way of looking at the world differently. And for chemistry, it's, it's a more ordered way. I mean, in chemistry, like every atom matters, right? Like we're literally counting atoms. So there's, there's a detailness to it. Um, And trying to help students is it, one of the big challenges was getting kids to recognize, yes, we're learning chemistry, but I'm trying to teach you a way of thinking. Right. And so mm-hmm. I would try to pull out examples. I mean, if you look at many of the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, a lot of them have some sort of science or engineering background. Um, they didn't all go to school for business. Um, but and, – and the reason that there's a correlation there is is because they're – when you go to college and you study something, you're not just studying that subject. You're learning a different way of thinking. Right, right. And so, you know, if I could tell our students some, when you go, it, when you go to continue your education, it's not just about the subject. It's about learning a way of thinking. Um, and so that was a big challenge 
right. and teaching chemistry. So, so it's almost like even though you know someone goes into, you know, someone goes to college because they want to specifically major in, I don't know, a specific type of chemistry, they they come out of college, they know that chemistry, right? They're they're specialized for that, but they're also specialized for that similar that process or that concept of thinking where they have to you know be given a equation or a set of materials and they have to be able to think what can I do with this what can I uh, create what can I turn this into what you know was what was this before this happened to it so it's almost just like I mean it prepares you for later in life because it not necessarily was chemistry but whenever you have to make a big decision and you may just be given materials or you're just given a situation you have to figure what am I supposed to do with all this yeah and it yeah Especially with the advent, advent the you know, as more and more AI comes out, it's it's going to be less and less knowing right. the stuff and more the, how do we think about it. Right. Um, right. The best man for my wedding, he went to Penn State, me- majored in uh, chemical engineering, um, and so you know he did five years at Penn State, came out wonderful chemical engineering degree, went and worked for Glasgow Smith Klein, that's a drug company, they make medicines. Um, and now he's still working for GSK, um, but he he's in charge of a whole product. Like he right. he does zero chemical engineering. I talked to him about mm-hmm. it. He's like, I haven't done chemical engineering in a long time. He's in charge of creating a product. Um, right. He's in charge of that that drug line, the line for creating whatever yeah, product, whatever right. product the company tells him. He's but so he doesn't do the chemical engineering, but he needed that background knowledge to know how to direct other people right, to make right. the... Because if you can't, if you don't know the subject itself, you can't really tell other people whether they're doing their job right or wrong. Right. right. Now, as, as a principal, obviously, you went from being 11th grade, right, 11th grade principal to being uh, head principal. Um, what, what would you say is your biggest... Yeah, let's just say, what's your biggest pet peeve as a principal that you faced or you're just like, you wish you could do something just to make that change uh biggest pet peeve gosh so so at our most recent assembly you know i I tried to touch on some of the things which is you know i shared the message you know if you want to be successful you know be where you're supposed to be right when you're supposed to be there doing what you're supposed to be doing that type of thing so i i guess a pet peeve would just be like we're all here for a purpose, and, and we know what that purpose is. Yeah. So a pet peeve would be when people aren't going along with that program. Yeah. You know, like we're all here for a reason. We're all here trying to get better. We're trying to go to our classes, earn our grades. You know, get exposed to different. I mean, we're a comprehensive high school. We've got everything. We got all right. the subjects. You're not right. just here for math, science, and social studies and English, right? Like we've got so many electives to explore, because you don't know what you don't know. Until you've tried it. Like if right, I, yeah. you've never taken an art class, you don't know if you like art or if you can do art. Yeah. Like so so we're all here to to participate in this comprehensive education, get exposed to a bunch of things, figure out, you know, what we're good at, what we like, what we don't like, what what's gonna be our path when we leave here. Um, and so I just want want people to do that. Right. <laughs> Rather than uh, yeah. so my pet peeve is when people are doing things that aren't aren't going along with that. Right. Yeah. Um, 
Now that being said, I I understand. I was a high schooler. I understand the there's the social component to high school and all that. But we can be social without yeah without doing all the nefarious things that <laughs> yeah. you know aren't aren't on right not aren't, necessary aren't on mission right. No. Yeah, so I don't. That's one of my pet peeves. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, like I'm almost thinking, could I? Is there, I don't know, what would you say is like the one trait that you have that you think makes you, that when you, you know, when you see, when you saw yourself as a principal or wanting to be a principal or an administrator or a teacher that you were like, this quality of me makes me best suited for that purpose? It's a great question. Um, So I've had the ability in the past couple years to help hire principals. And when someone asks like, what's Mm. something you're looking for? in a principal. And this would be something I've learned in myself. Um, is that ability to basically own a mistake? Um, because the reality is as principals, we're asked to make, I don't know, make up a number, a couple hundred decisions (laughs) a day, right? So the likelihood that you're going to get all of those decisions correct every day, pretty low. So we have to, my ability to acknowledge when a mistake was made or something could have been done better, um, the ability to be humble enough to apologize to the person if somebody was wronged or own that mistake and then find a way to move forward and improve upon it. So that's one thing that's, that, I've tried to employ, and it's certainly something I look for in people that want to uh, get into this, people that I'm looking to hire. Um, If somebody talks to me and say they want to be a principal, I try to make sure they understand, like, you're going to have to be okay with with eating some crow because you're not going to get it right every time. But But that's not just a principal thing. I mean, that's a everyone thing, right? We can't get everything right all the time, but how we respond to that right. and move forward. It, I mean, sometimes you got to suck up your pride and just say, I, I was wrong, okay, yeah. and own that. And then, but but then the next step is, you know, how do we make it better? Right, right. That's, yeah, I guess, yeah, it's like you can't go into a situation where you're in charge of anything, really, and think you're going to be perfect at it. But once you... You know, once you fail, you say, yeah, I failed, but don't stay in that state of, yeah, I yeah. failed for too long or it ain't, nothing's going to ever get better. You got to be like, yeah, I failed. All right, let's figure out how to get this back on track. So, I mean, Hempfield High School, I mean, we're not perfect. Right. We got our issues, got our flaws. I'm not going to tell anybody we're perfect. We're working on it. I feel like we're working on all the things, right. all, of, all of our issues, the best of our ability. Are we going to get it right every time? No, but, but we're going to keep we're going to keep trying. And we're just trying to make this the best place we can. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Julie, you have anything? anything Not currently. I do want to like build on that topic. Like, I feel like when like you do something wrong or someone else does something wrong and they apologize and they change, it kind of like builds character, and you can kind of like forgive them and be like, wow, like they're like trying to change. But right. then if you just like apologize and you just keep doing the same actions 
it just looks like it's making their actions okay. Right. And they don't have to accept any responsibility on their right. behalf. Because if they're gonna if they're willing to just keep doing it, it's almost like they're just they some they've justified that action on some level for some reason they think that that action is justified. So they think the apology is enough and then they can just keep doing it, which doesn't really work in the way of the world. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're not gonna earn any credibility that way. Right. Yeah. I, I I, I can definitely say I was not always the type to take any responsibility. I was definitely the type to either p- pin the blame on someone else or just be like, well, or something else be like, you know, something I couldn't possibly, something that couldn't possibly do anything about it. You know, it's just like, oh, well, this didn't happen, so I can do this and blah, blah, blah. It's like, really? In reality, no, I just was lazy or I didn't feel like doing it or I was, looked at it, fully saw that I did it wrong and just did not care to change it. But I've definitely, I've worked my best to realize when I do something, I'm like, huh, that is not correct. I did that wrong. I'll fix it as much as possible. Yeah. So. And, and that's all we can do, right? We, we right. recognize a mistake and, and work to fix it. I had a situation this past fall. We're dealing with something here at the high school. And I'll be honest, I kind of thought, well, that's it wasn't my problem, right. right? I thought this other person screwed up. That's not my problem. And uh, had a conversation with uh, another leader above me. And uh, they said to me, well, what did you do about it? What, what corrective action did you take? Right. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think that was me. Hmm. But, like, I'm the head principal now. Right. Like, so... If it's basically anywhere in this building, around this building, connected to this right. building, like ultimately, and that comes back to me. Right. So that's been um, that's been humbling um, and eye opening. Right. To you know, you asked about being a principal and the responsibilities. Um, so I've actually been reading a book called Extreme Ownership, How Navy Seals Fight and Win. Jocko Willink? That's it. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, and uh, it's, it's a lot of good stuff in there, yeah. some good takeaways. Uh, it's made me reflect on some things. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, it's it, it, can, it can be humbling. Yeah. My dad listens to the Jocko podcast all the oh, time. Oh, okay. I, so he reads all the books. Okay. Listens to all the podcasts, so Jocko Willink gets fresh in my memory. Okay, yeah, I'm <laughs> as I told you, I've, I'm not a podcast guy, so this yeah. is all new to me. And, but yeah. I did, maybe I have to check that out. I didn't know there was one. Yeah, and and like I, this last thing I want to say is absolutely, it's the most important. I think in what I see as the most important part of being the leader is knowing that you can't not take responsibility for every action someone in your uh, I don't know what to call it. I don't know what you call it. In someone that you're in charge of does. You cannot take ownership for every single action they do. But when the action affects a larger system or the whole system, that's when you need to step in and say, hey, let's figure out what we did wrong. Let's figure out how to change it. You know, um, <clears throat> I think it's important not to take all the blame for everything. Realize that some things are things that you cannot control. Um, but also realize that you can put parameters in place so that these things are less likely to happen. And when they do, you can figure out where the fault was and figure out how to change it. I think that's the most important part of being a leader. It is. And you have to, 
but you have to be will- have to be willing to have those hard conversations. Right. right. Yeah. But if you build the integrity, like you were talking about, um, people are more willing to engage in those hard conversations. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very. Yeah. Always important. Well, thank you for coming onto this podcast and agreeing uh, to this. Um, I hope that any anyone who's listening, I hope that you can take uh, one or a couple messages from this. Um, I try my best that when I invite people on the podcast, I make sure that I, you know, kind of think about them, like who would be the best fit. And I thought that you would be a great fit. You've had you have a lot of responsibility in this high school. Um, obviously, you know, twenty three hundred kids or something like that. <laughs> That's a big responsibility, even though it's not direct with every single one of every single one of us. Um, it's still a powerful impact, no matter you know, who's in that position. I think you do that position very well. I think you're a good principal. So absolutely. Congratulations. Keep doing what you're doing. All right. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you for uh, making my first podcast experience (laughs) a a good one. All right. And thank you everyone for listening. Uh, We hope you all have a great day. You can find this podcast um, on Spotify, YouTube. Um, There's also plenty of other podcast platforms that we are on. We thank you for listening and we wish you all the very best.